0: We're going to start with um, last week's assignments that Papi gave us on the different channels of wisdom and how we have been making use of them. So if you can remember one or two or you just want to give it all to us, all the channels of wisdom, we'll be happy to hear it from you and um, how you've been using it. But we can start with the channels of wisdom first because those that know the channels may not have been using them. So, I don't discourage um, anybody from answering the question. So, what are the channels of wisdom that we learned a few weeks ago? There are several channels. We are the hands. We are good students, too. I, I, I know in my heart that we are, we are super students. Choir. So, what are the channels of wisdom? Okay, there's a hand in the choir. Thank you. <laughs> one of them is um, wealth. Channels, one key for wisdom is uh, wealth, wealth you have to give to God. Pardon? One of them is what? Wealth. Wealth. Ch- key, ch- key wisdom for wealth, giving to God. Okay, so I'm talking about different ways, channels, in which we can acquire wisdom. One of them that pastor gave us is through books, right? So those channels, books, who can remember? There are about five of them. Inspiration and revelation, right? Is there any other hand up? Okay, I think there's a hand there. Thank you. Hey, good evening, Pastor Lamde. Good evening. We have instruction, we have Thank impartation, yeah. and we have contemplation. Yeah. Books and then, inst- um, yes, I think that's all I know. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Let's, let's put our hands together for Pastor Visola. Thank you for that. So, inspiration and revelation, we have instructions, we have books, we have impartation, we have, you know, observation. You know, observe, and I remember then that Papi mentioned about, you know, the ants observe what the ants do and learn so and I hope we all have been making use of these various channels of wisdom the Lord will help us in the mighty name of Jesus so I want to know if you've been making use of any of the channels recently since we started Thrive can I see your hand can you share with us how you've been making use of any of the channels of wisdom books instructions okay we have a hand there thank you Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, one of the channels I make use of mostly is books. Okay. Thank um, you. Um, before now, I, <laughs> I don't easily make friends. And um, most of the challenges I had in the past is as a result of lack of wisdom. Okay. So, um, I get to read books between that time, and now, and I've learned so many things Hallelujah. that I did not know. It really, really inspired mm-hmm. me. Hallelujah. So Praise the Lord. I want to the give Lord. glory to God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, thank you for that. So last week after we've, um, we, ha- we had Thrive on Wednesday, and I got to the office, and um, um, a staff of mine came. I was like, oh, ma, I need um, a piece of information that you gave me a few weeks ago. I lost the information, and I'm like, how could you have lost this information? And I said, well, what if I decide to tell you that I have also lost the information? How nice will it be to go back to the clients to say, please, can I have that same information you gave me a few months ago? I've lost the information. So then I remembered everything Papi said about, you know, having a good retrieval system. And so we sat down, everybody, for over an hour, you know we we're talking about retrieval system, proper documentation, and um, and I really, really give God thanks. So that is my own story of how I have been making use of my channels of wisdom. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we read um, today. We are going into Proverbs chapter six, verses one to thirty-three. So let us um, read. I'll, I'll be reading Proverbs six one to thirty-three. My child, if you have put up a security for your friend's debt or agreed to guarantee the debt of a stranger, if you have trapped yourself by your agreement and are caught by what you said, follow my advice and save yourself for you have placed yourself at your friend's mercy. Now swallow your pride. Go and beg to have your name erased. Don't put it off. Do it now. Don't rest until you do. Save yourself like a gazelle escaping from a hunter like a bird fleeing from a net take a lesson from the ants you lazy bones learn from their ways and become wise though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work they labor hard also my gathering food for the winter but you lazy bones how long will you sleep when will you wake up a little extra sleep a little more slumber or a little folding of the hands to rest. Then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. What are worthless and wicked people like? They are constant liars, signaling their deceit with a wink of the eye, a nudge of the foot, or the wiggle of the fingers. Their perverted hearts plot evil, and they constantly stir up trouble. But they will be destroyed suddenly, broken in an instant, beyond all hope of healing. There are six things the Lord hates. No, seven things he detests. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, a person who sows discord in a family. My son, obey your father's commands and don't neglect your mother's instruction. Keep their words always in your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, their counsel will lead you. When you sleep, they will protect you. When you wake up, they will advise you. For their command is a lamp and their instruction a light. Their corrective discipline is the way to life. It will keep you from the immoral woman, from the smooth tongue of a promiscuous woman. Don't lust for her beauty. Don't let her coil glances seduce you. For a prostitute will bring you to poverty. But sleeping with another man's wife will cost you your life. Can a man scoop a flame in his lap and not have his clothes catch on fire? Can he walk on hot coals and not blister his feet? So it is with a man who sleeps with another man's wife. He who embraces her will go unpunished, will not go unpunished. Excuses might be found for a thief who steals because he is starving. But if he is caught, he must pay back seven times what he's told, even if he has to sell everything in his house. But a man who commits adultery is an utter fool, for he destroys himself. He will be wounded and disgraced. His shame will never be erased. For the woman's jealous husband will be furious, and he will show no mercy when he takes revenge. He will accept no compensation, nor be satisfied with the payoff of any size. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Okay, so my first point says, why is people take calculated risk? Now, what does it mean to stand as a surety for someone? Who would like to answer that question? What does it really mean to stand as a surety for someone? Okay, we have a hand here. Thank you, Ma. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the living Jesus. Hallelujah. If you are standing as a surety for someone... It means maybe that person has committed an offense and he needed somebody to stand for him or her. Then you that is standing as a shorty is now telling someone that this person will not run away. Mm. Or this person, whenever you are in need of this person, you as a shorty will produce, produce the person. that person. Thank you very much. Any other person? You're standing as a shorty or as a guarantor. Thank you for that perspective. There are so many perspectives to reach. You can stand as a shorty in that perspective. You can stand as a guarantor. And you're saying, well, this person wants to borrow money from this person. And I guarantee, I'm going to stand as this, as this person's guarantor that if... Um, Anything happens, he refuses to to pay up. Then I'm going to be I'm going to pay for the person, and at the same time, you know, start guaranteeing somebody's integrity. You're saying, "I know this person. You know, he can't." Or when it's time to pay up, he'll pay up. I'll stand as a guarantor. At the same time, when you stand as a guarantor, you're guaranteeing the person's integrity. You're guaranteeing the, the other person's honesty, and it, it's telling us here. Please, can we can I can we go back to can we have verses one to one, two, three, splashed on the screen. screen. Okay, so so, so if, if you have, you know, put up security for your friends that or agreed to guarantee the debt of a stranger, you have trapped yourself by the words of your mouth. So a wise person. So he says, the moment you, you have guaranteed this person, but the moment that the moment you realize that oh wow i just went online and i discovered that this person that i stood in as a guarantor for that that claimed that um, that claims that he's a footballer from malaysia i went online and saw his name that he was actually you know in a prison he was actually caught for drugs and he was sentenced to malaysia and now he's been repatriated you know he's been sent back home what does the, what does the bible say you have to free yourself like a gazelle. Don't even wait at all. Quickly run to the bank. Or quickly say, I'm not standing anymore as a guarantor for this person. I don't. So, so we have to be very. It is wisdom for us before we stand as a shorty. Because, yes, you have the money. You may think, well, I have the money to pay back. How much is the rent? 500K. So if you defaults, I'm going to pay the 500K. But then that money is not yours. It's God's money. And you have a responsibility to be a good steward of whatever God has given unto you, and then it is wisdom before you stand as a surety for somebody to be absolutely certain that you are able to pay off this thing. Otherwise, it's going to be it's going to be a problem because it says you are ensnared by the words of our mouth. May the words of our mouth not ensnare us in the mighty name of Jesus. You know, so I have something I always say to people that is always good to. Under promise and over deliver. You know, somebody has ordered for something, and then you know that these things will not be ready in six months, and you're saying, ah, next month it will be ready. You know, But then the person goes away with a bad taste after waiting for one month, two months, three months, four months. If you know it's not going to be ready in six months, tell the person eight months. And then when you deliver in seven months, what is it? Then, you, you know, then they are able to vouch for your integrity. So it's always good to under-promise and over-deliver before you co-sign with anybody. And then it reminds me also of being not unequally yoked you know, with unbelievers. If you're going to stand as a surety for somebody... Are you standing as a shorty for somebody that you know is really notorious, you don't have the same values, the person does not believe in, um, um, the person believes in bribes, the person believes in corruption, so what are you doing standing as a shorty for such a person? Once you discover that, free yourself like a gazelle, you know, when you watch the National Geographic channel and you see how the antelopes run when a lion is about to chase them. So free yourself like a you gazelle. So I put a poem together that says, "When used with wisdom, our words are swords." Can can we have it on the screen? When used with wisdom, our words are swords. Swords in that you know the word of God. Are, the word of God is a sword. So as as children, actually our words you align with the words of God, which align with the scriptures, and it becomes swords in our mouth for defense and offense, advancing His kingdom. Our words are cords tying us to our destiny, so we do not stop winning. Amen. So there's a graphic I would like to put up. That's the first graphic. And um, so your words, okay, this is a quote by Papi. Your words control the supernatural in your favor. So th- our words can make us our work. Our words can mar us, but in the name of Jesus, our words will not trap us in Jesus' name. So the next um, point says, we're not used with, with wisdom. We are filling the gap now. Our words can trap us and make a crap of us. So we cannot be passive with the words of our mouth. Can I have the second graphic, please? We cannot afford to be, to be passive. You cannot be a Christian and be passive with the kind of words that come out of your mouth, with the promises you make, you know, with the kind of agreements that you sign. Somebody comes and says, oh, sign this document, sign this agreement, and you look, like the, and you look at the person and you say, oh, this, is, this looks like somebody I can trust. You don't really know the person. And then you go ahead and sign the document. It is, it is foolishness. So we have to be very intentional. We cannot be passive. Do not risk. So, so the next line, Okay, so, so there's a third graphic that um, i like CMM to put up. It's talking about risk. When you take a risk in obedience to God, you never come short. So I'm not saying that we should not take any risk at all. We should not, you know, um, help people. Because sometimes standing as a guarantor for, for somebody you, you think you really trust, you know so well, at the end of the day, is a risk. But it has to be prayerfully done, you know. And here, Pope is saying, when you take a risk in obedience to God you never come short. You know so everything as children of God must be prayerfully done. So let's fill in the gap. Do not risk your reputation on something you have no control over. Amen. And so we continue to fill the gap of all God has blessed you with. Be a good steward so you do not lose your reward. Amen. Let's fill the gap. So of all that God has blessed us with, we have to be good stewards so we do not lose our rewards. Amen. So we go on to next, um, point, which says wise people are not lazy. Wise people are not lazy. You know, um, and I, I and I remember, um, okay, let's have this fourth, um, graphic up on the screen that talks about we being blessed. God has blessed us with time, with treasure, with talent. Use it and don't lose it. Use it so you don't lose it. So wise people are not lazy. Indeed, we have been blessed. And um, let's, let's go to, can I have verse 6 splashed on the screen? I would like to read verses 6 to 11. Take a lesson from the end. So we can see here, wisdom has been personified. You know, in the ants. I remember when Papa was talking about the ants a while ago. So I was telling uh, Naomi, who was sitting down beside me, that don't be surprised. don't think I'm crazy. If one day I just sit down outside and grab my chair and I'm just looking and, you know, I'm just looking at the ants, you know, I'm learning from them. So learn from their ways and become wise. So they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work. The labor had all summer, gathering food for the winter. But you lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little sleep, a little slumber. So it's saying we should learn from the ants. You know, they, the ants are not being micromanaged. When you look at the ants, they are doing their work. There's no supervisor. There's no manager. There's no, um, there's no MD saying, have you done this one? Have you done what I asked you to do? But, you know, diligently, they are doing everything. You know, in, in business, if you have stuff that you have to micromanage, it's a, big, it's a big problem. You know, it's a big problem. So wisdom has been personified in the ant and I pray that the Lord will help us to be wise in the name of Jesus. You know, the ant does what he needs to do without procrastinating. I, I do you, do you find it so easy to procrastinate? You have to learn from the, from the ants and wherever we, we walk as children of God, we should see our work as an extension of God's kingdom. There's a, there's a similar, there's a graphic for that as well, which will come up later. We should see it as, you know, as an extension of God's kingdom. So it's saying here that, you know, it started with, um, being careful before standing as a guarantor for somebody. And then it now went on, well, instead of looking for somebody to be a guarantor for you, why don't you just work hard? Look at the ants, you know, why don't you just work hard and make, make some, and make some money for yourself and earn some income for yourself and don't be, don't be lazy. So the next, um, we are filling in the gap now. It says, "He made us to be co-creators with him to bring, to bring him glory. You can fill in the gap. To bring him glory and to help others. To bring him glory and to help others. You know, so, um, and it says, a little sleep, a little slumber. So if, you, if every time you set your alarm, and then your alarm goes up in the morning, and you find yourself snoozing, well, know that something is wrong and you need to really sort that out quickly. God, God neither sleeps nor slumbers. We thank God that he doesn't sleep, he doesn't slumber, but he has allowed us to be able to sleep. But I can't see anywhere in the Bible where he's telling us that we can slumber. We are not meant to be slumbering, Amen. So when you wake up in the morning and then you want you are tempted to hit the snooze button, don't hit that snooze button. Wake up, get up, and get to work immediately, and the Lord will help you in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, Genesis 128. Can we read Genesis 128? It says, then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. We've read this severally, you know, um, in the past couple of weeks. Um, with a salmon on occupy, multiply, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Rain over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So, God has actually asked us to be fruitful and to be multiplied. And everywhere we go, we have to be fruitful and multiply. Well, you can't say, because the prophecies have gone ahead of me. Well, if I I choose to hit snooze early in the morning, that's, that's the devil's business. Because all the prophetic words, you know, have gone ahead of me. Amen. But we still have to really get up and work hard and not be lazy, in the name of Jesus. Amen. So Exodus Exodus twenty says Exodus twenty verse nine. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. Mm-hmm. Okay, we have six days each week and one day to to rest. So actually, this one that we're having two days, you know, of rest, Friday and uh, Saturday and Sunday. We are actually really enjoying. God walked six days and rested just one day. And um, Ephesians four twenty-eight: If you are a thief, quit, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work. And then give generously to others in need. So we have been blessed so that we can work and bless others in need. And whatever it is that we gain from our hard work has to be... Shared. It is not for our own consumption alone. We should be willing to help others who are in need or others who are just coming up. So, a strong and an effective work ethic, honestly, is always better than all the qualifications that you have acquired, all the skills that you may may have acquired, all the talents that you have. If you have a strong and effective work ethic, it will take you higher. In the name of Jesus, there's something I always tell my my son. I always tell him that. Well, talent can get you the job, talent will take you there, but talent won't keep that job for you. You have to really, really work hard, you know, to move higher. You know, I remember a time when um, it was in school, and we just changed the school, and it was doing so well. It was topping, topping his class. So anytime they had exams. In fact, in class, when they're having mathematics, the teacher would say, well, you need to start from number two. When others are practicing exercises, start from number 20, while the others are starting from number one. So whenever it was exam time, it was just playing around. And myself and my husband had a chat with him and said, well, you have exams tomorrow. Why are you not studying? Then he said, well, I know everything. The reason why you asked him to study is so that I can top my class. Now I'm topping the class, so why do I need to study? So, myself and my husband, we just looked at ourselves and said, We are are doing ourselves great harm if we don't do something about this quickly. So we had to look for another school for him. And we changed the school school quickly. And in the school, they had different levels for mathematics. And when he got in, they put him at the lowest level. He was thoroughly embarrassed. He said, no, mom, I can't believe it. They put me in the lowest level of the math group. And he started working hard. He started working hard. And we're so happy to see him, you know, work hard again. And he didn't stop until he got to the highest level. So talent can get us the job. But talent, you know, won't won't give us the necessary promotion and won't help us to stay on the job if we don't have a strong work ethic. And you can learn that from the ants. They don't need to be micromanaged. They don't need to be reminded. They just go ahead and do whatever it is they have to do. They don't have to wait for their bosses to be in the office. They just go ahead and do it. If the boss is not there, they make all the necessary decisions that need to be made and in the best interest of the firm and move on. And then the boss comes and says, oh, well done, my good and faithful servants. You know, like we've heard um, in in the past couple of weeks about the talents. What did Jesus do when he came back? He said, you have been faithful in this little. And then he gave them more. Amen. May the Lord find us faithful in the works he has committed into our hands in the name of Jesus. So next we 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 are writing and it says, prophecy is not an excuse for indolence. It is not an excuse for indolence. However, it provides the lenses required for excellence. Amen. So it is not an excuse for indolence, but it provides the lenses you need for excellence to attain excellence in Christ Jesus. Let's have CMM, can I have the fifth um, graphic please? It says to occupy. Yes, yeah, so we have heard you know, in the past couple of weeks, we should occupy, we should take the territory, we should be planted, we should take root, and we should grow. Amen. We should grow. Let's have the next um, um, graphic that says, it is in you to multiply. Amen. That is very exciting for me. Every time I see it and I say, it is in me to multiply. Can you say to yourself, it is in me to multiply? amen. It is in us to multiply. So now we are filling the gap that says micromanaging is damaging to any business, even God's business. You know, it's damaging to any business, even God's business. Your life does not glorify God if you are struggling at work or if you are, even, even in church, In your department, do you always wait for your departmental head to come and say, oh, this is how you should do it? Or, well, the table is not looking nice. Um, Our head of department is not around. When she comes, she will tell us how to arrange the table. But you can see by yourself that this table is not looking nice. So you go ahead and do it, you know. Go ahead and do it because micromanaging can be exhausting for anybody and it's damaging for any business, even God's business. So let's see the seventh graphic, please. Okay, the prophecy, the basis for the fight. The prophecy is the basis for the fight, not the excuse for not fighting. After you prophesy, you have to Occupy. Amen. So it's not the excuse for not fighting. You can't say, well, I've prayed, I've fasted, and um, I, I trust the Lord. W- when God is looking for people, I remember the story of Elisha. You know, when God called Elisha, what was he doing? Who knows? Who can remember? What was Elisha doing when God called him? He was plowing. Thank you. He was really busy plowing the oxen. Amen. So let's have the eighth, the eighth graphic. To the extent to which you have been able to bring the kingdom to your sphere of influence, to that extent, you are useful to the king. Absolutely. To your sphere of influence. It doesn't stop in church. Everywhere you go, let people see you and see the spirit of excellence, you know, and say, wow, there's something different about this person, you know, I know quite, quite a number of people have walked up to me to say, oh, so what motivates you and all those, all those questions. And I say, well, when, when I, I, I started work or I, I started business, what, what I always think, I hate, I hate to hear, oh, and she calls herself a born-again Christian. How many people here like to hear that? How many people here hate to hear that? We should all hate to hear that. Oh, and she calls herself a born-again Christian. So, I'll go all out to do anything that would not make people to say, Oh, and she calls herself a born-again Christian. It's a different thing when you make a mistake and they say, Oh, no one is perfect. That's a totally different thing. They realize that you are not perfect. But they can still vouch for you that. Oh, I know her very well. I know him very well. Amen. May the Lord boast with us in the name of Jesus. And may his name continually be glorified in our lives in the name of Jesus. Okay, so I have a question here that says, can you think of proverbs that encourage hard work? I have one. I can't, you know, when we were young in school, it was like a song, right? How many people know that? <laughs> okay, I can't recite it fully. So um, hard work is an um, antidote to, what is it now? To poverty, thank you. So work hard, my friend. And it says Baba Really Your father may be rich. That that is that is the bit I know about it. So if you want to finish it up for me, please can I see your hand up? <laughs> Amen. Okay, there's a hand there. Thank you, Ma Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Gaga bi a ni fe ti bi ole le la bi a ni gba kale a se ra mo ise ni le lowo baba, mm-hmm. baba mm-hmm. re si le lesin le, le ti o ba gboju le won o te son ni mo so fun e ti ko gbon e be famo to n Amen. <laughs> Praise Lord. Let's put our hands together for, for Mama. Thank you so much, Ma. Yeah, so it's just saying that you have to work hard. You know, it's the, it's the only antidote to poverty. But you know, we as children of God, in as much as we are working hard, we are trusting God. Because the hearts may be prepared for the day of battle, but victory is of the Lord. It is not by power, it is not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. So let's let's work hard. So I need one or two more proverbs that has to do. we have. Okay, I have Pastor Richard and I have Pastor Jide. Thank you. Okay, my good evening, Pastor Lamy. Good evening. Uh, Mine is a pidgin English proverb my dad says to us every time. He says to work out for nothing, better pass to sit down for nothing. Mm. Yes, always. <laughs> so, what it means is just stay mobile. Just Keep stay moving. Mobile. Yeah. Keep, doing Keep moving. Thank you, because after all, an idle man. You have to put our hands together. An idle man is the devil's workshop, like they say. Okay, Pastor Jude. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And He wants to. He, he wants to take um, honey out of the uh, mountain or mm. a rock not look at the face of the axe. Hmm. Hmm. Hallelujah. So don't don't be discouraged. You know, Jesus, that that's that what he said just reminds me of the scripture that says Jesus for the joy that was set before him endured the shame of the cross. Amen. Okay. Thank you so much. So we are motivated to work hard. So are you a lawyer? Please make sure you are not called a liar. Are you an accountant? Make sure you don't falsify documents. Are you an artisan? Make sure you don't replace um, good quality things with bad, poor quality things. And charge, you know, for high quality things. No, as a child of God, we should not be found doing such things at all. Let the name of the Lord be glorified in every single thing we do. Whether we sleep, whether we wake up, even when we eat, the way we eat. Don't let them say, well, is this person born again? You know, praise the Lord in every single thing we do. Let the name of the Lord be glorified. Amen. And God looks down from heaven, looks at us and says, wow, I'm proud of you. Amen. So shall it be consigning each and every one of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so, um, we move on to verse 12 to 15 that says, wise people are not wicked. You know, so it started with, um, starting, standing as a surety for somebody instead of looking for that. Why don't you just wake up and stop pressing the snooze button and say, oh, I have a rich uncle. I have a rich father. I'm sure when I'm ready to start business, just get up and work. And then talked about lazy people, laziness, and then went on to say, well, laziness at the end of the day, if you are not careful, it leads to wickedness. Because an idle man is the devil's workshop, like they say, you know. So idle men are prone to vice. Idle men are prone to vice, filling the gap. So, so when you read, let's read them, um, verse 12 to 15. Please, can we have it splashed on the screen? 12 to 15. Verses 12 to 15 splashed on the screen. So talking about, you know, um, um, the, the lazy man, you know, idle man being a wicked person, you know, sign languages, <laughs> talking about sign languages, winking, you know. And, okay, so, so folding of that. Then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed man. You know, that there's a point I, I, I wanted to make about, about that. You know, for for a lazy person, you're sleeping, you're snoozing, you think you're just enjoying life, you think you're traveling. You know, it's like you're in the aeroplane and you're enjoying yourself or you're watching a movie on the plane or you're reading and you're enjoying yourself and you think you're traveling. But when that arrival comes, then the feeling is like that of an armed robber because laziness does not add anything to us. It takes away from us. Whatever it is that we have already, whatever it is that a lazy person has already, you know, it will continue to depreciate, depreciate until everything is gone. Okay, so verse 12, what are you, what are worthless and wicked people? So, worthless people, lazy people, what are they like? They are constant liars, signaling their deceit with a wink of the eye, a nudge of the foot or or the wiggle of the fingers. So it talks about their hearts, their perverted hearts, plot evil. They constantly stir up trouble, but they will be destroyed suddenly, broken in an instant. So it talks about um, idle, idle men being prone to, to vice. Amen. So I have a proverb. Yeah, I already said a proverb. An idle man is the devil's workshop. Can you think of a proverb in your language that discourages um, laziness? Okay, we've talked about hard work. I think it's basically the same thing. So, but is there any other person that wants to share a proverb or, before we move on? Discourages laziness, encourages hard work. Amen. So, so it's not just the words we say. It's not just what we do, but sometimes our body language, you know, so we need to pay attention to what kind of body language are we, are we oozing out? Are we giving, you know, is this something that is, 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 is likely to be misinterpreted? Amen. Verse, verse 16 and 19, verses 16 to 19. Let's move on to, there are six things that the Lord hates. No, seven things he detests. You know, so He says here there are six things. And he now went on to say, oh no, there are seven things. So this is called, and it's found in quite a number of places in the scripture. It's called number parallelism. And it is usually used just to lay emphasis, just for people to pay attention, to get your attention. Okay, you said six. Okay, seven things. Okay, so what's that seven thing that you almost, you know, left out? So let's, let's look at these seven things together. There are seven things. So the, the first one is what? Haughty eyes. And what does that mean? Pride. Thank you. Somebody who is um, proud. And then the second one is, A lying tongue. The third one is, hands that kill the innocent. That's murder. Then the fourth one says, and the fifth one, and the sixth one, a false witness who pours out like, now when we talk of witnesses, it's not just in courts. So, please, it's not just lawyers that are guilty of this. Every single day we come across people that, you know, give um, false um, witnesses. And, um, and then the seventh one, please, can we move on? The seventh one, sewing this cord in the family. So, it says the Lord hates these things. You know, but there's something in the Bible that, there's something that we all know, especially married people, you know, that we are so passionate about it, and we are really, sometimes we are, you know, we are vehemently against it, and we say, oh, the Lord hates it, the Lord hates it. What is it? I'm sure everybody here knows. What is it? The Lord hates what? The Lord hates what? Thank you, sir. Yay, papi, the Lord hates divorce. You know, the Lord hates divorce. And so we are so passionate about it. But when we are talking about all the other things, all these other things, we are not really so passionate about it. But he says the Lord hates divorce. And as much as the Lord detests divorce, he hates divorce. He detests all these other things. And so we should not condone it. It's not just not condoning it in other people. But we should look inward and look at ourselves. All those things. You see, who has ever seen a proud person and has fallen, ah, this man is so proud. I really love him. Or why did you marry your spouse? Oh, because he's a very proud person. He's proud of his achievements. He's proud of what he has done. And so I fell in love with him. So who has ever fallen in love with a proud person? Nobody, you won't fall in love with somebody that is proud. You won't fall in love with somebody that tells lies. You won't fall in love with somebody that, you know? So, okay, somebody said amen. Amen. So shall it be for our sisters in the house in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, but, so in as much as we see these things in people and we detest it, we should look inward and look at our own lives as well and ensure that, we ourselves are not guilty of the same thing because as much as oh they are getting a divorce oh no no they must not get a divorce the lord hates it it's it's, 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 this is supposed to be the same passion that we are supposed to attach to these other seven things because the lord hates them hate is hate you know it doesn't say the lord detests this one or the lord hates this one it's the same word you know in the bible amen the lord will help us in the mighty name of jesus And we will hate all these things as well in the name of Jesus. And we will watch out for all these things in our lives and it will not happen to us. We will not be carriers of all these things that the Lord hates in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so then we move on to verse 20 to 35. And so this part is um, PG-13 sort of parental guidance. You know, um, we have children in the house. And um, I know that Papi said a lot about, um, said some things about um, um, adultery that was um, at the last Thrive. So I will just um, um, gloss over it. Okay, so 20 to 35, my son obey your father's commands. So children in the house, always obey your parents because they know a lot more than you. I, th- there's a proverb I know that says in Yoruba that uh, you know, so even if a child is really rich and has a lot of clothes and has more clothing than the adults you don't have as much wealth of wisdom that the adult has, he has passed through <laughs> you know, ek- ekisa is clothes that are worn out So, all your clothes are new, but, you know, the adult person's clothes are worn out and that's because the person has seen life, you know. So, my son, obey your father's commandments and don't neglect your mother's instruction. Keep their words always in your heart. So, everywhere you go, in school, children, in church, now we're talking to you. Always listen to your parents' instructions. And everywhere you go, when you go out, let that guide you. You know, especially instructions that your parents who are in the Lord have given you. You know, they are precious, more precious than gold. More precious than ice cream that somebody else may offer you outside. So keep their words, keep your parents' words always in your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, their counsel will lead you. Amen. When you sleep, they will protect you. When you wake up, they will advise you. So it says, even when you are sleeping, even in your dreams, you know, that your this is my mom that is always saying, plead the blood of Jesus, plead the blood of Jesus. So even when you are sleeping and something is chasing you in your dream, what will you say? Blood of Jesus, you know, so even in your dreams, you know, the words, the words will guide and protect you. So keep their advice for their command is a lamp and their instruction is a light. Their corrective discipline is the way of life. And so parents let us ensure that every discipline we meet out on our children is corrective, You know, we are not, um, lashing out at them because we are angry or daddy and mommy are not lashing out at them to get at daddy or to get at mommy. No, we are not going to achieve anything if we, if we do that, but it has to be completely corrective and they have to know that we are following our heavenly father's instructions. There's something I always, when I want to punish the children, I tell them, well, God has told me to beat the foolishness out of you, you know? I don't say it that way. spare the rod and spoil the child. I said, well, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction we... So, so, discipline your child while they are young. So, I said, well, if I refuse to discipline you, then I'm disobeying God. And so, they have that understanding. Mom is beating them because... Not because they are, they are wicked or they are being mean, but because they want me to turn out right in life. Children always understand. And I, I think when we attach the scriptures to our discipline, when we discipline them and we attach it to the scripture they would always um they will always understand the holy spirit will do the work because the word of god is a double edged sword so it will go in there and deal with whatever it needs to deal with and it goes to the very heart of the issue amen okay so here um the bible is replete if you read verses um all the way down to 35 the the bible is replete with stories on with warnings about adultery why we should avoid adultery why it is not good and um okay so let's fill in the gap now the the bible is replete with warning on adultery because of the life-threatening risk risk it portends cmm please can we go on to verse 26 and 30 verse 26 and 30. I want to point out something there. So it says, for a prostitute will bring you to poverty, but sleeping with another man's wife will cost you your life. Then 30 says, excuses might be found for a thief who steals because he's starving, but if he's caught, he must pay back sevenfold. So it's very interesting that the Bible compared adultery with, um, sleeping with a prostitute and says, well, for the prostitute is only poison to the soul, but adultery kills. You know, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, in those days, when somebody is found guilty of adultery, it's death, you know, and then so, so, and then for, for adultery. Now, for somebody who has stolen, the Bible says, the thief will only pay for what he has stolen when he is what? Caught. But then he will pay seven-folds. Seven-folds doesn't necessarily mean seven times or you know. He will pay multiple, multiple folds because sins will always take you farther than you ever planned. So, but, but for adultery, the person does not need to be caught; to. He's only suspicious. In the Old Testament, you know, um, there's this provision for the jealous husband that says, well, if you are, if you really think, you think that you don't, you are suspecting this woman, that this woman has committed adultery, you know, just take her to the priest. There's this concussion that the priest will prepare. She will drink the water. If she's guilty, then the, the, the bust, the the tummy will bust open and the woman will die, you know, in the Old Testament. But if she's not guilty. She will drink the water and nothing will happen. So the Bible is saying, so some people will look at this and say, hey, holy thief, you know. Meanwhile, they don't even know that the adultery that they are committing in, in the sight of God, you know, it's, um, it's a terrible thing. It will not be our portion in the name of Jesus. And the truth is, adultery still leads to death. It leads to spiritual death. Okay, so Proverbs thirty-one thirty. Okay, I'd like us to read verse 25, please. Before Proverbs 31, 30, verse 25. That I find quite interesting. 25, please, not 26. Verse 25. Okay, don't lust. Don't lust for her beauty. Don't let her coy glances seduce you. That's very interesting. Can we have um, the um, amplified version of that verse 25? Amplified version. It's very interesting. So when I try to check other versions, I checked the amplified version and I'm like, okay, this is just synonymous with whatever is happening right now. It says, Don't don't let our eyelashes lure you. You see some eyelashes these days, and they are like butterflies, and you're like, but you see some eyelashes and they are beautiful. But please don't be lured by a woman's eyelashes. Proverbs 30. 31 says that a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Beauty is deceitful. Beauty is vain. You know, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Lost not after her beauty in her heart. Neither let her capture you with her eyelids. Okay, there was one that says eyelashes. Okay, praise the Lord. So, we will not be captured by the eyelashes in Jesus' name. Amen. But we will be captured by the fear of the Lord that a person carries in Jesus' name. So, I was saying, well, if you choose to be captured by the eyelashes, after marriage, there will be a lot of lashes, though. It will happen to us in Jesus' name. It will happen to our children in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so, uh, and then talking about, there's a point I wrote here that there's a purpose for waiting period and the Lord can take control of your desires. Job 31 one says, I have made a covenant with my eyes. That was Job saying, I have covenanted with my eyes, not to look with lust at a young woman. For a young person who is married, you're single, I know you have your desires, but honestly, if you take those desires to the Lord, if you've made up your mind, the Lord can take charge of those desires and his name will be glorified. Waiting time is a time to prepare. Amen. So, and then I know that porn is quite, I don't want to say the food because of children in the house. Porn is quite common right now. And you may think that porn is free. But the truth is, it's is not free. At the end of the day, it, it results in, in bondage. So, um, yeah, so I'm coming to the very end of it. And um, I wanted to say something about uh, Solomon. The book of Proverbs actually has, been, has really been credited to, to Solomon severally. Solomon had 600 wives, 400 concubines, you know. And then, it's it's this same Solomon that is writing about adultery, saying, ah, adultery is a tough thing. You know, at the end of the day, even though he had wives, concubines, we are not sure whether he um, he slept with other women's, um, other people's wives. But, he's one advising against it. So, even though he still um, had all the wives, and at the end of the day, the Bible says, those women turned... You know, his heart away from from the Lord. So may our relationships not turn our hearts away from the Lord in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so I will go back to verse one. I'm, and in closing right now, I'm closing, and we're talking about when mama gave a definition of somebody who stands as a shorty, as somebody who um you've committed an offense and says, Well, I will stand in so that you can be released. You know, there's somebody that has decided to stand in for us so that we can be set free, so that we can be released. it stood in for us as a shorty when we were sinners, you know, when we didn't have any hope, and that is Jesus. Amen. So if, if you are here this night and you don't have Jesus as your shorty, please don't go back without accepting him as your shorty. And, and it says, free yourself like a gazelle. Because whatever it is that you're serving, and if you're not serving Jesus, the hunter is around. He's looking for who to trap. But he will not get us in the name of Jesus. So if you're here this night, Jesus is not your guarantor. I'm encouraging you to free yourself like a gazelle. Seriously, quickly, this night in the name of Jesus. Don't go without giving your lives to Jesus. And um, as we close this night, I would like all eyes closed, our heads bowed. And I would like to make this call for those who are in the house. If you're here, you don't know Jesus. You can't say Jesus has stood in for me. You can't say I have accepted him as my personal Lord and Savior. I would like you to please raise your hand um, to the Most High God. I'm not going to call you forward. We're not going to call you forward. We're just going to give you a card. If you're here, you don't know Jesus. You have to free yourself from the snare of the enemy this night. You have to free yourself from the hunter's snare. Don't let him use you for barbecue. You know, raise your hand to the most high God and let's pray together. Amen. Are there any hands going up? Are there any hands going up? Any hands going up this night? Any hands going up this night? Amen. Okay, so, um, Father, we just thank you for what we have heard this night. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, we have heard the word, and today we have to commit. Any questions? Any questions? Any questions? Okay, no questions. Okay, the last part of my filling the gap says, Jesus is our ultimate surety. Don't be slothful in accepting him. Bait is always attractive, but it's, in the end, it's poison to the soul. Jesus is our ultimate surety. Amen. Any questions? No questions. Okay, praise the Lord. Let's put together for the Most High God. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and God bless you. of